This is Cruise Radio. I cruise a lot and I always sail with travel insurance. You should too. Get a free quote today at tripinsurance.com. Broadcasting from the tripinsurance.com studios in Jacksonville, Florida. This is Cruise Radio. Hey, how's it going? Thank you so much for checking out this episode of Cruise Radio. Very happy to have you here, my friend. My name is Doug Parker. On this week's show, a review of Disney Wonder out of out from the West Coast, actually. And staff writer Richard Sims is on deck with Cruise News. Hey, Richard. Hey, Doug Parker. So several uh, cruise lines have canceled scheduled calls into Israel. This isn't terribly surprising given the war that's broken out in that region. Uh, Whenever there's violence taking place anywhere near a port, especially if it has to do with, um, well, like I said, violence, but also political uprisings, we've seen that kind of thing as well. Uh, Cruise lines very quickly tend to err on the side of caution by canceling any journeys that were scheduled to go into that area or into that port. At this point, pretty much every line has stopped their calls on Israel, with several also canceling stops in Egypt, which is sort of close enough that it's caught up in this. When they'll return depends on a lot of factors, but the biggest, of course, is how long the violence continues. And it seems sort of safe to say at this point that that could go on for a while. Now, some lines have already canceled all the way into November, kind of reading the tea leaves, as it were, and seeing this. Uh, Holland America actually had a ship in one of Israel's ports when the conflict broke out, and they they had people on shore who had disembarked for shoring uh, excursions, and they immediately brought them back, and you know they they got the ship uh, ready to sail and sailed out as soon as they possibly could. And uh, if there is a bright side to that, it is that it was their last scheduled port stop for the year. So they, they did not have other ships that I'm aware of that were planning to stop there. So, um, yeah, not a, obviously this is a horrible situation that's unfolding. So I really, you know what I don't want? I don't want to hear any cruisers complaining about itinerary changes given what is actually unfolding there. That would just, you know, be pretty callous. And Barcelona is telling some cruise ships, uh uh-uh, you're not docking here. Yeah, another day, another city taking steps to, you know, what they say is help curve over tourism and pollution. In this case, it's Barcelona. They've decided that starting later this month, large ships will not be permitted to dock at one of their main uh, ports. They have they have both a northern port and a southern port. And what they're basically saying is large ships will be permitted to only dock at, I believe it's the southern port. So what this means mostly is it's an inconvenience for passengers who want to go ashore and are planning on going to some of the more popular destinations in Barcelona. Previously, they could just get off the ship and like within 10 minutes, they'd be right in the heart of of the area that you kind of want to hang out in when you're in Barcelona. Now, they'll have to walk an hour to get there or they can take like a half hour shuttle. I'm assuming shuttles will become very, very, very popular popular in Barcelona at this point. Smaller ships from lines like Regent and Azamara will still be able to use the northern port, which is closer to the center of of the action. 
Um, they're also limiting the number of ships which can visit at the same time, which is something we've seen before. None of this is new. Um, I suspect we're going to see a lot more of it, in fact. In some ways, the cruise lines have only themselves to blame. Like with Barcelona, Barcelona has been talking about making changes like this since 2018. And the cruise lines could have taken a look at the situation and said, you know, let's work with them. Let's, you know, they're clearly not happy with this situation. Let's figure out a way to make them happy so we don't have to worry about this moving forward. Instead, they actually ramped up their capacity. They they actually increased the number of uh, ships arriving by about 8%. So, it might be smart of the cruise lines to pay attention to other cities that are talking about making this kind of change and try and get ahead of the situation, you know, try and work with them and say, okay, what can we do? We don't want to completely be banned here. We don't want, you know, we, we want to continue to provide the, the tourists who are giving you money. So what kind of happy medium can we come to where we get what we're after, you get what you're after? Because I don't think we're going to stop seeing this anytime soon. Over-tourism is becoming, you know, every every few years you get a new buzzword. And right now, over-tourism is a big one. And it's one that the cruise lines really should be careful and listen to before they do, you know, themselves any more harm. I'm just glad we moved on from pent-up demand. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, and it and, and and it's funny because we are still seeing that pent up demand. I mean, yeah. uh, I was reading a story earlier today where they were talking about the fact that the pent up demand has really led to a a huge. That's why we're seeing lines booked at like 110, 120 percent capacity. It's also why it is now getting harder and harder and harder to find a cruise deal, and it's going to get worse. The prices, several of the cruise lines have acknowledged that prices are likely to go up instead of down because, you know, they they see the demand, and it is the law of supply and demand. They have what people want, which is a cruise vacation, um, and they know they can charge for it. So even even a lot of times people hold out and say, well, I'll book like a week or two before and it should be much cheaper. Don't count on it because if a ship is sailing at 120% capacity, guess what? You're not getting on it. So, so don't, don't hold out hope that you're going to get a great deal by, by sailing at the last minute. Just know that the prices are up, the demand is there and, and people are definitely, definitely, the lines are definitely, definitely taking advantage of that fact and they will be charging more. Well, it's interesting. A couple of things on that Barcelona story. The mayor said, yeah, it's nice to move all the pollution down to the south, but like <laughs> it's literally uh, like 3000 feet. Uh, I was measuring it on Google Maps from the city center cruise pier to where the big ships dock is like. So it's a half a mile uh, and all like the little ships dock there anyways, Azamara, Oceana, um, Regent, Virgin Voyages, they all dock in the city center so they can just walk off and go downtown. So it's like, yeah, I'm happy to get all these ships out of here, but it's like, dude, you're they're right like an eye shot away, you know? It's just a uh it's funny how they, they the position other thing things. I really love, the other thing I really love is, you know, yeah, we're going to send all the pollution to the South. I want to know how the South feels about it. Right, exactly. Like, <laughs> you know, like, thought too. Sure, yeah, okay, you're you're not getting all the tourists, and you're not getting all the smog, and you're not getting, you know, whatever, <laughs> any of the pollution and the over-tourism, but you're sending it all to us. We are on the same team here. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, and speaking of over-tourism, Amsterdam is going to cost cruisers more starting in January. Yep, this is directly tied to what we've just been talking about, because Amsterdam is another city which has been for years talking about, you know, dealing with the problems that are related to over-tourism. In this case, they're like, okay, y'all can still come here, but we're going to take more money from you. They're raising their tourism tax 
to 12.5% in 2024. Now, this isn't aimed only at cruisers. This is going to be for anybody who visits Amsterdam. In fact, those who um, are, are staying overnight kind of get hit with some extra taxes as well. But we're more concerned with cruisers, so let's take a look at that specifically. For them, the cost is going to go up from $8.41 per person per day to $11.56 per person per day. When the change goes into effect, Travel and Leisure says this will be the highest of the tourism taxes in Eastern Europe and the fourth highest in the world. Hmm. And again, you know, this is this is them saying we're we've got a lot of people coming here and it's a drain on our facilities. You know, we have to pay for the road upkeep. We have to pay for this, that, and the other thing. And so what they are actually saying is we want you to help pay for that. What they say in their press release is that it's, it's a lovely way of putting it is we want you to feel like you have more of a stake of ownership in Amsterdam, you know. But <laughs> this is, again, this is something we're seeing a lot of moving all over the place. I mean, it's a fine line, I guess, slippery slope, I guess you could say, with with that kind of stuff. Because, like, yeah, if cruise ships are going there and are bringing that many people, which I know it's not a ton in Amsterdam, but it's still a good amount. Like, I feel like there should be some responsibility there for as some kind of infrastructure. I actually agree with that. I mean, it, it, it is a drain. And the fact of the matter is, cruise ship tourism, wherever they go, they tend to spend less than do people who come from, uh, like, like say you fly into Amsterdam, you're probably going to be there two or three days. You're going to be staying in a hotel. You're going to be eating out. Whereas a lot of us, you know, when we go to anywhere, whether it's, it's, you know, uh, Jamaica or Amsterdam, cruisers tend to, you know, we get off the ship, we wander around, we might have lunch, uh, or we might say, hey, I can get free food back on the ship and go back. So it does make sense to me that they would reach out and say, you know, we need you to help pay for this stuff, because while you're not necessarily spending a lot of money in our city, you are using the various infrastructures that are in place. Barbados has kicked off the season. They have the ship that I never pronounced correct, the Carnival of Venezia, uh, arrived on October 10th, which was Tuesday. And that was the first ship of the season to arrive in Barbados. It was also that ship's first trip to the island. They're expecting 18 inaugural arrivals. And what that means is that 18 different ships will visit Bermuda for or Barbados, excuse me, for the first time during the 23-24 cruise season. They're also expecting it to be a pretty good season. With uh, They're looking to see about 700,000 passengers between October of 2023 and April of 2024. One of the reasons that the number is so big is that they're expecting a lot of what's called homeporting activity, meaning that people will either start or end their cruise in Barbados. Sometimes both, you know, if you're doing a if you're doing a round trip thing. So that's actually really good. What because that brings more money. We were just talking about um, cruisers bringing money into the economy. That tends to bring more money in because if your cruise is leaving from Barbados, if you take our advice, you're going to arrive a day early, you know, to make sure you don't miss the ship. You're going to end up spending money in a hotel. You're going to end up spending money in a restaurant. So, so the more ships they have that are actually beginning and or ending their, their voyages there, the more money is coming into the local economy. So I suspect Barbados is going to have a really good season. 
And this last story here is not going to impact a lot of cruisers, but those who are lucky to sail longer voyages, it will certainly have an impact. Yeah, it definitely will. Royal Caribbean has sent out a letter to their booked guests and travel partners and people like that. And um, I just want to read a portion of it because it's a little bit amusing to me, even though it involves more money, which is never a good thing. As of today, guests will now have up until 120 days prior to sailing to make their final payment. Now, the way they phrase that is like they're doing you a favor. You now have up to 120 days before sailing, whereas before it was 90 days, which means they're taking your money sooner and putting it in their own account. So, you know, very nice of them to phrase it like they're doing a favor. Uh, additionally, there will be a higher deposit amount required. So not only are you giving them your money earlier, but you have to give them more of your money sooner. So it looks like the deposit is now up to about $450. Um, and this is, again, on cruises that are 15 nights or higher. Now, people who have already booked, um, they got an, there's their letters said basically uh, kindly note there will be no change to your booking and payment schedule since you booked prior to these changes. But people making these bookings moving forward, again, on 15-day or longer sailings, will be handing over more of a deposit and they will have to make their final payment sooner. So make sure you're factoring that in to your long-term planning. I don't know. Do you think, Doug, if if you're planning a 15-day Voyage? Do you think this isn't really a big deal to you? Because a you 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 know when you you know you're gonna have to pay for this anyway, and uh, it's it's just you, you've got enough money to do a 15 day vacation, so you're not that worried about <laughs> when you have to turn it in. Yeah, I mean, my thought is that like so if you're doing one that long, there's a good chance you you have a, like a lot of holiday time or you are retired, so you're pretty much in the financial position to. Um, yeah, to pay it off sooner than later, right? I guess. I mean, it it, it still leaves a, a little bit of a bad taste in my mouth. I, you know, I mean, I think when I started cruising, final payments were due like thirty days before your um, before your sale date, and then it went to sixty, and then it went to ninety, and then it went to now. A lot of them are at ninety days or more. I mean, one hundred twenty days. That's six months, if my math is right, which it, I think it is, uh, that is a long time for them to have your money. Now, one of the reasons they do it, especially with longer cruises, is um, if you decide to back out, it's a little bit harder for them to find somebody to take your place on a 15-day voyage than it would be on like a three-day or a four-day or even a seven-day. Mm -hmm. You know, 15 days, like you said, it takes a lot more planning. It takes a lot more time. You have to, you have to have, you know, two and a half, three weeks of vacation that you can splurge on. So if suddenly at the 90-day point, let's say 30 people on the ship decide, you know what, I'm going to cancel and get my money back. That's 30 people that they have to find to fill those spots. So, you know, it does make sense to, to move it back to me. 120 days gives them more time to, to really latch in and get those people to fill the spots that need filled in. 
Yeah. Also, this just came out, so you probably don't have it there. But uh, did you see where NCL just took on a, or is going to take on a seven hundred and ninety million dollar loan at almost eight percent interest? What they're saying about that is that the reason they are doing this is they have they're basically taking out a loan to pay other loans. It's almost like getting a second mortgage. They have, you know, they have a lot of um, let's just say let's call them bills. You know, they have a lot of bills coming due, so they're taking out this loan that do further down the line in order to pay off some of the debt that is coming due closer down the line. Uh, I, I was speaking to someone about this earlier saying they said this isn't really that unusual um, for big companies, uh, whether it's a hotel or an airline or something like that, especially coming off of what the cruise industry is coming off of as far as, you know, the the, the shutdown during the pandemic. They wrecked, they wrecked up a lot of bills then, and they made a lot of deals. You know, they would go to people and say, listen, and I'm not going to pay you now, but I will pay you more later. And some of those are coming due now because it's been, you know, like two years. So they have to go and get the money to cover some of the interest, some of the, the, the bills that are coming due. And that's the best way to do it. You know, if you don't have if you don't have the money, you got to go out and get it somewhere. Oh, you actually, <laughs> last week you said you're going to give us an update on your iPhone 15. How is it? Um, you know, I like it a lot. The 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 photo taking capability is fantastic. It's got um these great little buttons for zooming that are incredible. You can go from like 0.5 to three times zoom. And uh, I was testing it out a little bit this week. The video quality is great. Uh, it is it is. I I mean. I, I don't have big hands. I have I have relatively small hands, and I will say it it only comes in the size, I guess, and it's it's been actually causing me hand pain. Um, but I'll get used to it, I suppose. The resolution on the screen, everything about it, is really great. I'm I'm much more sold on it this week than I was a week ago. Now by next week, I might hate it because that's just the way I am. But for right now, I'm liking it. Well, that video should come in handy because you're so good at doing those ship tours for me. I know. I know, right? Uh, never going to live that down. Just so you know, you're not getting a ship tour of Escape in two weeks. Okay. All right. Staff writer Richard Sims, as always, thank you, buddy. Anytime, Doug. Have a question or a comment for the show? Send an email or voice memo to Doug at CruiseRadio.net. A big question we get at Cruise Radio is, how do I know if I need trip insurance? Simple answer. If you're getting on a plane, taking a road trip, or getting on a cruise ship, you need to have travel insurance. Hey, it's Doug Parker for my friends at TripInsurance.com. Not, not only does TripInsurance.com protect your vacation investment, but it also gives you peace of mind in case anything were to go wrong on your trip. How do they do it? They offer three different types of trip insurance policies. Good, better, and best. One policy for every vacation budget. But it doesn't just stop there. They're up to 40% lower when you shop around on other comparison sites. Plus, TripInsurance.com offers 24-hour customer support before, during, and after your trip, online claims assistance, and travel alerts to let you know what's going on at your destination. But find out for yourself. Check out TripInsurance.com. You're listening to Cruise Radio, America's trusted voice of the cruise industry.
Last fall, Mark and his family took a seven-night Mexican Riviera sailing aboard Disney Wonder. It was one of their Halloween on the high seas voyages. And Mark joins us on the line. How you doing, my friend? I'm good. How are you, Doug? Good, man. Good to uh, good to talk to you again and hear your voice. So let's take a step back here. You live in Nevada. What made you want to take this seven-nighter uh, out of San Diego on Disney Wonder? So again, last year, we did a number of cruises last year. I, I think you did review you earlier last year, but we did... Uh, uh, Royal Caribbean Oasis in 2021. It was kind of our pe- our post-pandemic cruise. It was delayed for a couple of years. And then we had a great couple of great deals on Carnival for the Miracle and um, the uh, Radiance out of LA. And then, so we we're looking at it again. It's like, yeah, let's see if we can get maybe four cruises in a year. It's like, let's see. Uh, we've always wanted to do uh, Disney, but, you know, the price point of Disney compared to, you know, especially those deals we've had for the pandemic, just throwing at you, you know, pennies mm-hmm. on the dollar cruises. Disney's one of those ones where it's like, do we want to do this? I've got a seven-year-old and i got a 15-year-old. You know, seven-year-old's perfect age for Disney. So, like, you know, we really like to get it in before she gets too old. My 15-year-old, it's not really her thing anymore. So, like, uh, and then we had uh, a, a travel agent we knew got contacted and said, hey, I've got some great deals on Disney right now out of the West Coast. And if you do a guarantee, um, you can actually get an ocean deal for a really good price. And so I'm like, hey, they do the price at me per day. It was actually really good. And I said, let's do it. My kids won't know about it, kept it a surprise, and booked it. Said that would be a great idea for them. So. Now, you live in Nevada, and you had to make your way down to San Diego. Uh, are you flying or are you, are you driving that trip? Uh, so on this one, again, we were trying to keep it secret for my kids. So mm-hmm. we actually ended up flying uh, on the trip. I actually found some incredible deals on airfare. It was under $400 for three different flights for four people. I mean, it was a steal. It was like $30 each way. So we actually stopped in Vegas before the trip, saw some family, had to keep the secret because they all knew we were going. But my kids, again, didn't know this for six months. So we stopped there. My daughter had a concert on the strip. And then we actually flew uh, the weekend before uh, the Saturday. It was a Sunday cruise. On Saturday, we flew down to San Diego and stayed overnight. And I uh, did some stuff in San Diego. So a little kind of pre-trip, uh, a couple different places. But again, it was really just about keeping it secret for my kids and kind of distract them with, hey, we're going to San Diego, do other stuff, and the zoo, and all the other fun stuff. So that's what we did. Very cool. So you make your way to San Diego. It's time to board Disney Wonder. Uh, so I, I got to ask, though, how did the how did the surprise roll out? Uh, it was actually, it was, it was good. I mean, it was, I think, you know, it was almost anticlimactic. I mean, my kids are, you know, they know me when I tra- plan a trip. I'm kind of neurotic, and I... <laughs> I do a lot of planning. So I think they had a little uh, hint that something was a little different on this trip because I wasn't planning a lot. You know, I'd ask them what they want to do and they'd go, oh, that sounds good. We'll do that. You know, and then I didn't really commit to anything. Uh, but the surprise was good because the day before the princess, a princess trip was important. So we walked up there. You know, I don't know if you know San Diego, but there's a really nice kind of embarcadero where you walk right up to the pier. The ship's right in, right in downtown. It's really kind of cool. And so they're all, oh, look, the princess ship. Let's go on that. We'd love to go on princess and try to cruise out. I'm like, oh, yeah, we'll go on a cruise soon. We'll, we'll book something. And the next morning, we kind of walked from our hotel, which was about a half mile from the pier, and uh, you couldn't see the ship. We walked on the corner, and it was right there. And we said, we're going to keep walking. And I uh, walked right in front and said, hey, you know what? What if we just said, let's get on that today? And they, <laughs> my oldest didn't believe us, and my, my seven-year-old pretty much screamed. So, you know, it was good, but it took a minute to settle in like we were actually going. So it was fun, though. <laughs> That's awesome. So you make your way to the San Diego Cruise Pier. How was embarkation there? Uh, it was interesting. So, again, I don't know if you know what the, the cruise terminal in san diego but it's kind of an old warehouse mm-hmm. um i know they're remodeling the port and, and and modernizing it but they're in the middle of kind of renovating but it's just an old pier so when you walk up you're kind of on the street and you can't enter it's just a gate that says you know cruise passengers enter here and, and uh you have a time slot so when we booked it we made sure you get a night midnight the, uh, the day we could do it being first time disney cruises where you know you're kind of last in the queue to kind of uh, get your boarding but we ended up getting i think 10 30 11 o'clock boarding window and you get to the pier, and it was actually pretty seamless. You know, it looked a little chaotic outside. They were very good at calling, hey, passengers at 10, 30, 11 o'clock, you know, you can come on in, show your boarding pass, and we'll get let you into the terminal. 
And from that point, it was actually pretty seamless. So you'd walk in the, the terminal building, you'd go through security right there, quick. Uh, there was really no wait, and then you'd go up to the check-in windows. It had probably 30 or 40 of them. It was, it was pretty impressive. Walk right up, checked our boarding documents. Uh, this time there was no, you know, this is actually right after Disney uh, dropped their vaccine requirements, so they didn't check for any vaccine uh, documentation, check our, our, our uh, passports that we travel with, and Next thing we know, we thought we were going to go sit. Kind of what we're used to with Carmen. Kind of you check in and you go sit in the, in the lobby for a few minutes. With Disney, it was uh, go down the long hallway and literally was boarding right there. So I think it was by the time we got through the front entrance to the gate to the ship, it was about 15 minutes. It was really amazing. It was pretty quick. That's awesome. So you make your way on board the Wonder. What were your first impressions? Uh, it was exactly what I expected. I mean, it was it was beautiful. You know, calling your name was kind of, I, you know, my family didn't know about that. I warned them, hey, it's going to be a little different than Carnival or, you know, Royal. They're going to actually say our name. So I, you know, gave him the name. They announced it, recorded it. It was kind of cool. It was kind of special. Mickey was right there doing a little dance and he waved and it was kind of neat. And it didn't have that normal chaotic uh, boarding that you get with, you know, especially with Carnival, right? You get on, it's kind of the, the rush for the door to get in. But it was really nice. They walk in and they kind of guided you uh, to eat. At, I think at that time you could get in the dining room uh, right there, which was um, Triton's. Or you go up to the buffet, and I think you'd also go to the Lido, and not Lido, the Deck Nine, uh, where all the, the pool eats are, and get burgers. And I think we just went up and, and had a quick bite to eat because we couldn't go to the rooms until one thirty. But That's it was amazing. It was beautiful. It was stunning. The, the atrium was beautiful. I know that you know you read a lot of the Disney forums and stuff, and everybody says that you know these older ships are smaller and they're not quite as. But no, I, I was very impressed. I mean, it was immediately you could tell just how much detail it put in. I'm a kind of an ocean liner kind of fanatic, and walking into the ship, it's that Art Nouveau design and that style reminiscent of the old ocean liners of the past was just, it was amazing. It was really beautiful. And it was really, it was something special. You know, we got an Oasis last year for the first time and that was a wow, but this was a different wow factor. It was that Disney magic. It was really quite special. Awesome. So you make your way to your stateroom. What kind of stateroom did you book for this uh, seven night cruise? And there was four of y'all. So did you book the same stateroom or two separate ones? Uh, no, no, just for budgetary, we, we, we did the same room. Uh, we depend on the ship. We'll try to get two rooms, but my kids are young enough now where it's not too bad. My 15 year old, she's never in the room and my seven year old with us or in the kids club. So, uh, but we ended up booking, uh, an ocean view guarantee, uh, which I give a little tip for a lot of people that if they've never sailed Disney or if they want to save money, they offer those on sales aren't necessarily selling that well. Um, maybe three to six months out. And we actually saved about $1,500 on this room versus, say, booking it directly, you know, picking the cabin we want. And we actually got a great location. It was deck five forward. It was super quiet. Uh, it was on the same deck as the kids' club. So it was a, maybe a two-minute walk from there to the kids' club. And it was laid out great. We loved the double bathrooms. It was a, I think it's called the Deluxe Ocean View. Mm-hmm. Uh, big round porthole window. Uh, nice, uh, really comfortable beds. Probably the most comfortable beds we've ever had on any cruise we've been on. I mean, we're trying to find those to get for our house. They're amazing. Um, it had, you know, the bathroom and uh, shower and sink in one and then a toilet and uh, sink in a se- separate bathroom, which is really convenient again for the family. Had two bathrooms to get ready all the time. Layout was efficient, tons of storage. And it was in actually pretty good shape for a ship that's, what, 22 years old now? Mm-hmm. It's in really good condition. You know, I, you know, I've been on the Miracle and Carnival. I've been on even the Oasis, which is only, what, 12 or 13 years old, was refurbished. You could definitely see a lot of the wear and tear. There was very little wear and tear in these cabins. I mean, they really do seem to take care of them really well. So it was a really nice room, great layout, good size. So I was very happy with the room. Let's talk about the uh, dining experience on Wonder. And I'm curious, like in the buffet area, I know over here on the East Coast, we have the uh, the shrimp and the, sometimes the Florida, uh, what are those crab, crab claws called? I can't remember, but are they out? Are they served out there on the buffet on the West Coast as well? Uh, yeah, there's yeah, there's cl- uh, crab claws, a lot of shrimp. I mean, that was a big one they had. It was a lot of fresh shrimp. So on the buffet, they had a station. I think it was on both sides, kind of towards the back. 
not on the main part of the food, but on, like a separate station. Um, it, yeah, they'd have uh, shrimp, mostly shrimp. They'd have the crab claws. Um, they had a couple like pre-mixed like salad, almost like a tuna salad type. I don't know what it really was. I'm not really a big fan, so I didn't get any of it. But yeah, you know, and a couple of little entrees they built kind of based off that. It was like a shrimp uh, cocktail type, you know, type of things you could get with that. So it was, it was really kind of nice. Yeah, having the, that was that was my first time because I was actually up on the thing when we got on that this is going to be a little bit different food wise than say carnival. <laughs> Yeah, Just on the buffet, yeah, sure. you know, Carnival, good luck getting, you know, crab legs on the buffet, but Disney, uh, oh, they're here. So if you're a fan, they definitely got them for you. Absolutely. And then outside of the buffet area, um, maybe some quick eats, poolside eats, things like that. Any of those around the ship? Yeah, yeah. So you're up on uh, up on the pool deck, you've got uh, Daisy's Delights, which is kind of, uh, you know, your, your light sandwiches. you got wraps uh, and then kind of pre-made salads. That's right by the buffet. Uh, further back, you've got Pete's Boiler Bites, which is your, your kind of your grill. You got your burgers, your pot dog, your French fries, your chicken tenders, which I will agree. You know, everybody says that the Disney chicken tenders are something else. They are, they are fantastic. Although I will say Shaq's chicken on Carnival may have it beat, but they were pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, they had that. And every day, what's really nice about that location is that they would rotate out a special menu item every day. Um, they would have maybe, uh, sausages or sandwiches. Uh, for my wife, they would actually have a lot of vegetarian options. They would have like a veggie, a veggie dog. So it was actually kind of nice. They'd have a veggie, special veggie burger they put out, like a black bean burger is really good. So that was a nice option to check. They had, you know, you had your Sully's sips, which is your um, the smoothies and specialized cocktails for kids and, you know, obviously adults. Um, that's all kind of on that deck there. So that was some other options as well. And of course, you had Pinocchio's Pizzeria on the other side of the pool, kind of in, in the mid pool section, uh, where you always had your pizzas and, Kind of again, nice there. They would always have a rotating selection out during the day too. They have these standard pepperoni and cheese, but every day they'd have like a maybe a chicken and barbecue, or they'd have a vegetarian pizza that was specialized, something like that. So it was always kind of nice to check it out, see what they had that day. Certainly a lot of dining options on board. Wonder it sounds like now with the main dining room, which is rotational dining. So you're in a different restaurant every night. So that means you're doing two. Is it two full rotations and then one restaurant? You're getting a third. Is that how that works? Uh, yeah, that's how it works. So on the seven day, yeah, you do two, two, and then three. Um, and so when you get to your cabin, you're, it actually says in your card kind of what your rotational dining is. Um, so then you can determine, you know, I do I, you know, is it Triton's, Animator's Palette, and Tiana's, or is it whatever I want? And then, yeah, I think for us, we actually ended up having Animator's Palette three nights, which is what's ideal for us. We were really looking forward to trying that restaurant out and not, not a huge fan of Triton's. I don't, you know, just doesn't have any of the special shows in like Tiana's. So we're kind of happy not to have Triton more than two nights. So suggesting if anyone gets it, if they want to have more of the, the, the Disney magic experience and they only have maybe animators two nights or they've only got, you know, Tiana's one or two nights, see if you can go down to the major D and, and have them swap it because I really recommend getting those restaurants more because it's more of a show. Triton's is great, but it just doesn't have the show. So, Yeah. How, how was the food service and like the, the quality and everything in these rotational dining rooms? And I guess I want to ask, is it the same menu? Like if you're... Does it matter what dining room? Does all three dining rooms have the same menu each night? Uh, I don't believe they do. They serve uh, menu based on the restaurant theme that night. I know this. Okay. Uh, the only exception I think is the pirate night. In fact, I believe it is different. So they basically, so if they have a two night dining rotation in Triton's, each night's unique to Triton's, but they are different in the other dining rooms because I know that we would go to Triton's one night and we'd look at the menu there. We obviously can see the other ones, but the restaurants all had different menus each night. So I imagine whatever your location is it would be based on what that restaurant is. So, you know, if, if animators was having a certain dessert, it was themed to that, that restaurant. So they, they are kind of unique to that. Did you do any specialty restaurants on this voyage? Uh, we did not do any special. I know Palo's the, the primary uh, specialty restaurant, but we don't really do specialty restaurants uh, on uh, cruise ships a whole lot. Uh, we just, that's not how we eat with my kids. 
mm-hmm. being a vegetarian, we just, you know, we're not really foodies, you know, we're, we're a burger and fry kind of family. And, uh, you know, the quick eats are fine for us. The dining rooms are about as fancy as we like. And we've done specialty dining. You know, we lived in Vegas for years. We live in Reno. There's a lot of great restaurants. And for us to go to a restaurant and spend a lot more than I already spent on the, on the food in general, you know, for the, the base price, not really worth it for us. But I know Pala was super, super popular. I know the brunch was something that we almost looked at getting into, but it was already sold out by the time we, we tried to book it. Again, disadvantage of being first-time Disney cruises, you kind of get that last-minute booking option uh, for uh, reservations. So we weren't willing to go sit and get on the waiting list because it wasn't worth the time because we probably wouldn't take advantage of it. But I know that it was it was raved reviews on Palo. Uh, but in terms of the general food in the dining rooms, this is the one thing that we will say is more consistent with any cruise line was temperature. Carnival, Royal, one of the things we heard into a lot of was, you know, you get the food looked good, but you bite into it and it was not warm. It was, it was maybe warmer room temperature. I don't know what they did on this ship with the number of people. and how, It was almost full. Uh, food would come up piping hot. It was always hot, fresh. It was really good. Now, we didn't always like everything we had. Um, I will say their food quality was hit or miss. Um, I will say the dining rooms, I think, were better than uh, what we've seen on Royal or Carnival. But I will say their deck food, Carnival beats them hands down. Not even, I think, in the same ballpark in terms of just, you know, guys' burgers, burritos, hot dogs, deli sandwiches. You know, you can get a lot of that customized on Carnival. You couldn't really customize anything on the Disney ships, right? It's kind of what you get. You know, on a burger, yeah, you can get lettuce and a few toppings, but that's about it. There really weren't any burritos. You know, for Mexico, you think there'd be more burritos, tacos, Mexican food. There really wasn't anything like that. Uh, but the food was fine, you know, never went hungry. Um, but yeah, those were kind of the things. The buffet, I'd say it was on par with that. Now, outside of some of the special items, like the crab legs, the shrimp, um, the variety was really good, but the quality, I just don't think was very good. Uh, you know, we, we stopped kind of eating breakfast at the second day there and just kind of would go out to the, the Lido and get, or the, the deck nine and get quick bite food. So we just thought that was more fresh than what was on the buffet. We just, we didn't, we weren't really big fans of that. But otherwise, overall food was fairly good. All right. What did y'all think of the entertainment? This is where Disney, is hands down this and kids right this is where disney excels uh you know we're not really big stage show people on carnival we just don't you know we're not really you know we think a lot of that's kind of one step up high school musical type stuff on carnival you know royal some of the shows weren't great but you know they had the aqua theater which was you know set the bar for the you know one of the best shows i've ever seen on anything let alone a ship uh, but the shows on disney were special um there were three main stage shows there's the um Golden Mickey, uh, there was the Frozen, the musical, and then there was uh, the Disney Dreams. The Golden Mickey wasn't my favorite personally. I, I think if you're a diehard Disney fan and you love the history of Disney and you know all the little nuances and all the little, just the little, the, the real details of the history, you're going to love Golden Mickey. So that's kind of where they focus on the classics, the history, and all that. Frozen, amazing. Now, the thing about that show is if you've got kids and you want to be immersed in the show you need to get there like two hours in advance we got there an hour and 15 minutes and we were two-thirds of the way back and there's a lot of stuff that happens in the front of the stage where you get interacted with you know not necessarily the cast but by the show but it's an amazing show it's disney i mean as good as anything in the parks i've ever seen it's amazing music's great the, the, the people performing are great the, the props it felt disney it was very magical and then there's disney dreams which again, it is more contemporary. It kind of takes a lot of the more, more contemporary, you know, Disney uh, musical, you know, Aladdin, Little Mermaid, and puts them into a show, kind of a unique story. Again, that Disney magic where there's a lot of interaction from the ceiling and, and things happen and, and the cast is in and out of the audience and that Disney magic. And those are, you know, my sign of a, of a show that's interesting is if I get my seven-year-old to stay awake and watch the whole show, mm-hmm. that's it. You know, eight o'clock at night, right? And she's still wide awake by the end of the show. It was a good show. And all the shows she stayed awake and enjoyed it. So, that was my bar. So it was, it was definitely a great, you know, so if you love the show, 
um, you have shows, Disney shows, that's where it's great. And another thing about Disney that I really liked, it was, I don't know if it's an intentional entertainment, but I, I, I like details of Disney. I like the things that Disney does to go above and beyond other cruise lines or other companies. And one of the things I love is walking on the ship and listening to the music on board. And it's so fascinating that they really go out of their way to make that magic wherever you'd walk. You walk down a passenger hallway, they're playing contemporary Disney songs. You walk in the atrium and it's orchestral Disney. And it's, there's, and then you walk up to the Lido and it's, you know, it's, it's all the various songs of tropical and party and then, you know, Lilo and Stitch and all that. It's just really fascinating to listen to that because, and it was all over the place and they did it intentionally. So it was a way of energy. You could just sit down and listen to music for hours and it was just, it was fantastic. And even a nice little detail they did is every port they'd pull into, in this case, it was just Mexico, but every port they pull into, they would change the theme of the music to Mexico. So it played mariachi music and uh, a lot of flamenco, I mean, you know, very Spanish influenced music. It was kind of a neat touch they would put on there. So I enjoyed that part of the aspect. The only thing I thought was a little lacking, and again, I think this is due to the fact that it's the nature of the, of the line and it's family friendly, is after about 9 or 10 p.m., the adult entertainment kind of disappears. Yeah, they've got an adult uh, entertainment section of the ship where kids can't go in after, eight, you know, I think 7, 8 p.m., and that's, uh, you know, on deck three, four, I forget what the name of the section is, but it's, I think it's after hours. And they've got, you know, they've got a kind of a karaoke club. They've got kind of the Cadillac lounge, which is kind of your piano lounge, kind of playing quietly. And then uh, the pub where it's, you know, a little more active, you know, sports, you know, and things playing like that. We try to sit down with my wife at about, you know, nine o'clock, go down to the Cadillac lounge and, and just relax and enjoy it. They had piano, piano music playing. Now, <laughs> with kids all day, out in the sun, that music was lovely. But it was, everybody in there was falling asleep because it was quiet. Mm-hmm. And there really wasn't anywhere to go to hear like the loud rock band, maybe you want to lighten the dance. Well, there really wasn't anywhere going on. Every night we went down there, we couldn't find any. So if that's what you're looking for at night, Disney may not be the way to go. But if you're looking for a quiet ship to go relax, fantastic. So I think definitely more the family vibe is definitely Disney's thing. How were the sea days as far as crowds and congestion? Uh, no problems at all. So we had uh, three total sea days. We had one there and two coming back. Um, no, no issue at all. I know that I think the ship holds what 2,400 or so roughly, uh, at, at full capacity. We were at like 2,350. So we we're like 95%. So it was, you know, again, but there's only 2,400 people on there. You're looking at like a, uh, maybe a spirit class size ship. There was tons of space. I mean, they've got the, the full pool. They got the two full pools. Uh, also you've got a, a back pool for the kids with a splash park and the aqueduct or Dunkin's, whatever it's called, and then uh, they've got um, the slide. They do not have – the difference in this and, like, the Magic it doesn't have the, the drop slide. That's the one big difference, I think, in terms of the decks uh, between the Wonder and the Magic. They've got one additional slide on the Magic. But they've got the kids' pool at the back, the splash park, and then in the middle they've got kind of the regular pool uh, and the big screen TV. Great. Lots of seating space. I will say the pool was a little smaller than I'm used to. Maybe it's the way they designed it because they've got a deck that covers the pool. So sometimes it kind of feels like you're in a kind of a – almost like a cave, like maybe an old school ocean liner where it's really kind of sunk down to the deck. It's a little weird. So I don't know if it felt smaller, but it was definitely busy, but it never felt like it was super packed because there's just so much Disney stuff going on. There's always something else going on. So kids are always spread out. Um, we didn't spend a lot of time in the adult uh, cove or the adult area, the Ford pool, uh, but that pool is really quite nice. So they've got tons of deck chairs. Again, that little d- detail of Disney touch. They play, again, more like spa, very quiet, comfortable music up there. Um, lots of nice chairs and padding. Uh, we never had an issue. I'd go up there sometimes, watch the ocean, and take a nap, right? It was just, it never had a big problem with deck space. Um, there's an upper deck as well that's got tons of chairs on it, so lots of open space and lots of stuff going on. There's always people spread out. Nice. Yeah. That's, uh, do they call that satellite falls as well on that ship? 
No, no, it's uh, I, I couldn't remember. I think it was just called the Adult Cove. I don't remember. I know that's gotcha. the name of the coffee shop, but I don't remember the exact. I think it's like Adult Cove. No, there's no waterfall and like that. It's just kind of a pool to uh, hot tubs. Um, but it was really quite nice, and it was I had a big glass front. I think the Concierge Club is at the top of that. Nice big pool, lots of chairs, so definitely gotcha. enjoyable. All right, let's talk about the ports of call on this seven night cruise. What we'll do here, like we always do, go ahead and give us the port of call, a highlight, and then just move to the next one. Uh, our first port was Cabo. Um, so we, again, I, as I mentioned, I've done the Mexican Riviera twice in the last year. I was on the Miracle and on the uh, Radiance. In the Miracle, we actually spent two days in Cabo. So I didn't, you know, and I've been to Cabo many times on the Riviera cruise. So Cabo for us, nothing too special. It was nice and hot. Uh, we actually wanted to enjoy the, you know, just the Disney experience. We wanted to spend as much time on the ship as we could. And hey, more people want to get off, more power to them. We'll enjoy the ship. So we mostly stayed on board in Cabo. However, going back to uh, how Disney, their service is so amazing. That, I, I, I can't preface that enough. The, the, I think the one special, huge thing about Disney is their service is unbelievable. You read any cruise, we, I mean, we've done dozen and a half cruises now. No one's even come close to the service levels on Disney. There's a couple of things that happened on there that were just mind-blowing. But one of the things that happened is it's kind of later in the day in Cabo. I think we were there from like 8 to like 5, so most of the day. And if you're from Cabo, it's a tender port, and they've always got these tenders running back. I mean, dozens of tenders running back and forth. So about 3 o'clock, I'm like, you know, sun's getting a little bit lower. It's going to get nice color. I want to go grab some photos of the ship. I'm going to take the tender short. It's about a 10-minute ride. Just get my land legs and just kind of touch, touch the ground real quick and come right back. Get some photos and come right back to the ship. So I get down to the forward gangway and they're like, oh, no, no, hold on. You know, uh, the, the, this, ten, this tender is really full. Uh, we're going to, you know, we, we don't want you to have to wait for this tender to take you back. If you get to the back gangway, we'll go ahead and, and we'll hold the tender for a couple minutes for you and we'll get you to shore. I'm like, sure, sounds great. So I actually run to the back. And when I get there, there's actually two tenders there. One's got a couple people still getting on it and, and unloading, but then they guide me to another tender. And I'm the only one on this tender. This thing called about 250 people on it. And I'm the only one on it. And they're like, go ahead and just take him to shore. Just take him by himself to shore. And that blew my mind. I'm like, you, I can wait a few minutes. Like, no, no, we want you to enjoy it and go. So they actually had a whole tender just for myself. <laughs> and they drove me all the way into shore. And I got to take tons of pictures, walk all around. It was the weirdest thing I've ever experienced. It was just, it was amazing. And, I, I, and they said, that, no, that's, we, we're happy to do it. So it was really kind of cool. So I took some pictures and got back to the ship. So that's pretty much what our day was in Cabo. And then after Cabo, where'd y'all go? Uh, we went to Mazatlan. So again, uh, we actually... We were at Mazatlan one time many years ago, but that was when they were having some uh, of the, the safety concerns of Mazatlan, and we, so we didn't want to get off then, and then they actually cut Mazatlan for years completely from the cruises, and part of the bird flu, so we haven't been back there. So we got back this time. Unfortunately, again, we really wanted to stay on the ship and just enjoy the ship, because you know, I live on the West Coast. The Riviera is something we do often, and we'll get back to Mazatlan, but I did, we did get off and just walked, in, or I took a, a taxi to town for a few dollars and just walked kind of the, the waterfront and came back. We weren't there more than maybe 20, 30 minutes. Uh, my family has a condo in Mexico. We don't really need a lot of shopping. So we, we just go to say we were there. So again, uh, but there are lots of options. I know there's Stone Island, which is some nice beaches and resorts. A lot of people went there we talked to. Um, we've always you know, thought that was an option. But again, the weather that day wasn't ideal. It was a little bit cloudy and overcast. So we just didn't opt for that. Uh, but again, we just got off, uh, you know, land legs, checked up the city and came back. So nothing too extravagant for us. We were really focused to get on the ship. And then the last one was Puerto Vallarta? Uh, yeah, same thing. Uh, again, we got off, went to the Malacan. Uh, went to town. Uh, there we actually, you know, we have a, my wife has this thing where she likes to check out Sam's Clubs and Walmarts and every foreign town that we ever visit just to see what they're like. You know, we go to Ensenada, we go to Costco or Sam's Club. We go to Cozumel, we find the, the store we can go at and just to say we did. It's like when we travel in the U.S., we go to every Ikea that we can. It's just some weird thing we do. So we went to the Malacan, 
did some checking there, tried to find some souvenirs for the family. And then we actually took a, um, an Uber to uh, the Walmart right there across from the ship and actually went in there and got some uh, Walmart souvenir stuff. You know, yeah, it's cheesy, but it's something we like to do just because it's fun just to check out the differences and then walk back to the ship. So nothing too extravagant there, but again, lots of, we love part of our, you know, we've done overnights there before. We've actually stayed at a hotel in town before. Uh, we, you know, we've done the, the, the day passes at the water parks. We've done a lot of that in Puerto Vallarta. So it's, again, nothing new for us, but it's, we always love it because it's one of those places that does really truly feel tropical. It's very different than Cabo or even Mazatlan. Cabo is very desert, very, you know, you know, kind of more like where I live. Where Puerto Vallarta is definitely tropical. It's got the mountains in the distance with the palm trees and the, the green mountains, and it's got zip lining, and it's got lots of different uh, options that are available. So, it's, that's what we did in Puerto Vallarta. And most importantly, Mark, it's your vacation and you can do whatever the hell you want because it's your money. That's right. <laughs> so you make your way back to San Diego. How was Debark? Debark was uh, fine. Again, super quick. I think, well, it's actually fairly organized. This is, again, a complaint we have with other lines. Carnival, Royal was kind of like this too. But it's, it was never a free-for-all. And that was one thing I, that we always try to avoid is that we, we're kind of getting tired of is the free-for-all kind of it's like, Every and their mother decides that even though they're supposed to be, you know, 30, 40, 50 minutes from now, they decide we're going to go down now anyway. Disney kind of enforced times. They said, do not come down if you are not, you know, the gold Mickey or whatever your card is. You get a card on your, on your baggage and it's like, you know, silver daisy. And they were really strict in enforcement. You do not, if you went down there, they would turn you back and say, you can't because your bags aren't here yet. So what's kind of nice about that is you have a fixed place to go eat. Um, so whatever dynamic you have on the last night, is where you uh, you can go in the morning to have breakfast. So if you had, in our, our case, we had Tiana's. And so we went to Tiana's, and you actually had the same table with the same servers you have for dinner. So they know you. They know what you like. We got there, and, you know, they had my daughter's food ready to go that she normally likes uh, uh, in terms of pastry. You know, she asked her, what do you want? And they had all ready to go for her. Um, I ordered a quick breakfast. And then you go wait. In this case, they, you find a lounge to wait out. So we waited in um, the French Quarter, had a coffee, and waited about 45 minutes. And we were off the ship by about 845. So it was super convenient and uh, really painless. And there was only people with our badge or the, the card we had down there in the area getting luggage. So it was really super convenient. Got right to security. Um, they had the facial recognition stuff at the port. I don't think they were using it, but they had the machines for it. And we just pretty much went right to security. So it was or, or right through customs without even seeing anyone. So it was really quick and seamless. So Any first time tips to offer anyone sailing Disney Wonder? Uh, first time tips. Um, try not to do it all. Uh, I, I know Disney can be a once-in-a-lifetime experience for a lot of people, and for us, we're not sure we may go back. Uh, so we wanted to make sure we checked off all those boxes. But if you're looking for those character experiences, you're not going to do any better than on uh, a Disney cruise. We, we, you know, we've been to the parks, and you know, you sometimes got to chase them down and wait in those long lines. But if you want to get characters, get the get the autograph book, either bring it or buy one on board, and you're going to get everybody. I mean, we had everybody from Mickey, Minnie, Daisy, Donald, uh, Jack. You, you, we had everybody. So. If you want to do it, go do things you want to do and knock them out. And don't worry about always getting the first one because they usually have two or three events throughout the entire cruise to see these people. So, you know, if Captain Jack was there, he'd be in the morning. You know, he may not be on, on the pirate day, but he'll do like three showings. So just find the time that works best. You know, eight in the morning, maybe at 3 p.m., like a 7 p.m. So you don't have to rush the first one. So kind of time it. But yeah, knock out as many as you can because next time you go to the park, you may not have to do any of those because you got all the signatures. So it's kind of, um, and other than that, again, just uh, pace yourself. <laughs> There's a lot to do. You know, normally cruises for us, you know, by the third or fourth day, we've kind of done all the things you want to do. We were busy until the end of this cruise over the seven days. They kept us very busy for our, our especially our seven-year-old who thought she was in heaven. So if, yeah, if you're doing Disney, 
knock out as much as you can and uh but also know there's opportunities to do them multiple times so don't don't stress on missing one or two of them because there'll be more chances great advice now looking back here what was the biggest highlight of this cruise for you and the family so our biggest highlight actually again was service i can't tell you how often you know the, the disney magic is definitely on board ships i know there's a lot of complaints about the parks being too expensive or you know too crowded and maybe it's missing some of that magic, especially since uh, COVID. But I can say for certainty that the ships have service. So, for example, like within 30 minutes of us getting on board the ship and we were finished eating our food, we were trying to find where our room was at, Belle walks around the corner, right? The character Belle walks up. She's in her kind of her everyday outfit, and she just starts interacting with my daughter. Just starts talking to her just in the hallway. Just and like, like, are you going somewhere? No, she's walking the ship, talking to people. Or you'd run into random characters throughout the ship, and they would just make you feel like you're something extra special on board. So that was something that was amazing, like the tender experience, where they, they held a tender for me just to go to port to, to the shore. That was not an experience I had at Carnival. In fact, we were on the ratings back in March, and we waited an hour and a half for the tender to leave because they were waiting for it to fill up. I mean, that was the difference in the service we had on two ships. We're here. They gave me an entire tender to myself to go to shore and enjoy myself. It was amazing. Uh, and the last thing that happened is there was actually our server in key. Uh, sorry, you have the same servers all week. They rotate with you. And uh, my daughter, we gave her a little gift to give out in the dining room when we were having dinner, just like little booklets, stickers. And she'd walk around to different kids and give them those stickers. And our our assistant uh, uh, waiter, she was she seemed blown away by that. And so so much so that she actually went and bought her a dress in Bibbidi Boppity Boutique and brought it to her at dinner. And it was in a blue away. It was a Tiana dress ready for Tiana the night when we were there for Tiana. So we couldn't say enough about it. And we, we raved and ranted about her to customer, you know, and just took care of her. It was amazing. We never had any experience like that. And, you know, we maintain contact with her to this day. So it was just, it was amazing. And in closing here, Mark, your final thoughts of Disney Wonder. If you can do it and you want to do Disney, absolutely do it. Uh, you know, any of the ships are great. I, I know some people worry that the older ships, the Wonder and the Magic are going on 23 years, 24 years. Um, but they don't look it. Uh, they look brand new. Uh, they take care of these ships immaculately. The layout's great. And frankly, if you don't want the, the crowds of, say, the Dream or the, what's the new, the Dream, the Fantasy, or even the Wish, the Wonder and the Magic are amazing. The Wonder in particular was an absolute uh, game changer in terms of service and and just the quality of the cruise uh, to the point where we didn't think we would potentially do another Disney cruise before we did one, but now we're definitely considering it again if the right you know opportunity presents itself. But the Wonder was amazing. It's a beautiful ship. No hesitation to take that cruise again. We've been talking with Mark about his seven-night Mexican Riviera cruise aboard Disney Wonder. Mark, I didn't ask you about Halloween on the high seas. What exactly was incorporated with that before we hop here? The Halloween on the high seas included uh, a number of uh, additional enhancements to the cruise. I wouldn't say they went overboard, like kind of in-your-face Halloween, but they had some additional decor. Like they had the big uh, Halloween tree in the lobby, kind of a two-story tree with pumpkins, and they'd have a big show to kind of light the tree. It was lit up all week. You know, they had decorations, kind of like Christmas, but, you know, with Halloween, you know, pumpkins in the windows and you know, wreaths and garland on the railings. Oh, the biggest thing was they would have uh, character interactions. Like you had Sanderson sisters would be there. You'd have um, uh, Jack and Sally. So if you're a big uh, Nightmare Before Christmas fan, you definitely get that opportunity to see them. Because um, I know when we went to Disneyland to get them, it was really hard to catch them <laughs> when they're at the park. But there they had multiple times to go see them. So it was really kind of neat. My oldest is a huge fan of that. So it kind of was fun to get that. Um, and they'd have, they'd have Halloween stuff playing on the music more often. They would have, and on the, on the big screen, they'd also have some Halloween-themed uh, uh, Disney programming on there as well on the Funnel Vision. So uh, those are the big things. And, of course, they had the obvious usual things, like they had the Pirate Night, and then uh, that, was all, that was great, you know, with the fireworks and then um, 
the usual deck shows. And they, they also had a special deck show on the main deck. I forget what it was called, but it was basically a Disney-themed party with all the costumes. All the kids got to dress up, and it was really fun to see. Very good. Mark, thank you so much for sharing this review, my friend. It's always good talking to you. Thank you. All right, Dougie, let's see what we got for you, buddy. Cruise Radio is produced at the TripInsurance.com studios in Jacksonville, Florida. Get cruise news, ship reviews, and money-saving tips every Thursday on Cruise Radio. If you've enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the show. If you want to help spread the word, give Cruise Radio a five-star review. Find Cruise Radio where you listen to your favorite podcast or online at cruiseradio.net. I'm your announcer.